Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Rick Smith. I'm here with Todd Wagner. How you doing, Todd? I'm good, Rick. Hello, friends. Well, listen, today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear, I think, to a lot of folks, myself included. I'm almost 40 years old and for a good number of years of my life did not walk with Jesus. And so I've got a good collection of sins, mistakes, failures from my past. How does a Christian overcome guilt and shame? Yeah, and it's always, whenever we do questions, it's so important for people to hear the question that we're answering and define the terms in it, okay? So we're gonna answer the question, hang in there. If you're a believer and you're, and you're like, gosh, I still feel guilty and shameful, uh, we're gonna answer that question. But let's just say this real quick. Guilt and shame uh, are not God's tools for a believer, but they are God's tools. They are things that exist in a world that should feel some guilt and shame. And so it says in Romans chapter one, that, that when men suppress the truth and unrighteousness and when they go their own way and rebel against God, it says that a world gone amok is a world that although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice those kind of things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but they give hearty approval to those that do them. In other words, we've lost our shame. And we can do almost anything and not feel any sense of, of a problem. Listen, um, you know, I'm married now. And so if I'm getting out of the shower, my wife's there, I feel no shame, okay? But I ought to feel shame if I just walk in public naked. Yeah, it's weird. Okay, and so and so we got to remind ourselves, you know, that who we're talking about when we talk about guilt and shame matters. Okay, the wicked are guilty. Okay, Psalm one says they will not stand. Okay, in the judgment because they're guilty before God. And so if we're talking about a non-believer, you ought to feel not a, a sense of shame like I can't approach this God because God's calling you to come and receive his forgiveness, but you ought to know you are guilty, all right? Now, for the believer, okay, Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I think part of the reason we feel guilt and shame is because we have a hard time believing that what God's word says about us is true. And so to a believer, I say guilt and shame are not God's tools. Revelation 12.10 says that we have an accuser. It's, it's what the, the name Satan means, that he stands day and night before God accusing the brethren and telling God that we're not worthy. And frankly, he doesn't just tell God. He works on our own hearts to make us think, hey, man, you can't approach God the Father. You better get your life cleaned up before you go to him. And he is a liar, okay? The scripture says... We can, if we wait until our life is cleaned up before we can approach a holy God, none of us will ever go to the Father. And that's exactly what the enemy wants, okay? He wants to keep us from experiencing the grace and forgiveness that a God who demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, died for us, okay? Um, you know, in, in Colossians uh, chapter 2, in verses 13 and 14, it just says that he made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgression, having canceled out our certificate of debt. It's, so it's a done deal. We're no longer guilty because of what Christ has done. Therefore, we can boldly, it says in Hebrews 4, uh, approach the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. Guilt and shame should not keep us from our Father. Guilt and shame should drive us to repentance, okay? But once we experience that, Rick, it's a problem when a believer has a higher view of his own opinion than he does of God's word. Okay, that's always going to get us in trouble. All right. Now, none of us should look back at things that we have done that are, um, as it says in Ephesians five twelve, that that are shameful. Like it says, it is disgraceful or shameful to even speak of the things which are done by some of us in secret. 
I mean, in an appropriate way. I don't want to celebrate my sin. In fact, when a lot of people share their testimony, too many folks share their testimony like, you know, here's, here's if it's a 10-minute testimony, eight minutes of what I used to do, and you can't believe what a, a wreck I was and how crazy I was. And oh yeah, then Jesus showed up and I got saved, so I guess I'm going to heaven. It's a terrible way to share a testimony, especially when you're celebrating kind of what a riotous person you were. Okay, and so what I would tell you is that all of us ought to look back with a sense of, yeah, that was wrong, I was guilty before God, and it was shameful what I did. But I don't need to be ashamed, okay, of what I do apart from God. I'm just, when a sinner sins, you're just fulfilling the job description, all right? And so what I've got to do is just say, hey, that was a time in my life that um, I participated in the evil deeds of darkness. That was a time in my life when I did the same and gave hearty approval to others who did them. But today, I've got to remind myself who I am. I have been declared righteous. I have been forgiven. He has canceled my debt. That doesn't mean I celebrate what I did, but I'm not defined by it. One of the things that we say, that I've said around here for a long time, is the heart that is well is the heart that tells. Okay, so let's just go back to the Gospels real quick and, and, and I want to wrap it up by just saying this. Can you imagine the people that were around Jesus that used to be lepers, which was a great source of, of shame because it separated you from others, even though leprosy is uh, sometimes viral and, and bacterial and you didn't have anything to do with why you got it. And so, uh, but if a person said, I'm not going to tell anybody I used to be a leper, or Mary Magdalene who was possessed by seven demons, didn't ever tell anybody that, hey, my life used to be like this. Part of our testimony is God has delivered me from shameful things. But God doesn't call me to shame, all right? I want to make sure when a person says I'm dealing with guilt and shame, why? I want to say, have you sought God's forgiveness, okay? And uh, have you received his provision? David in Psalm 32 is a great example of a guy who is experiencing, I don't know if he's experiencing shame or not or guilt, but this is what it says in Psalm 32. And if a person has unconfessed sin, they're going to feel something. And this is the key, unconfessed sin. And a Christian should not live in unconfessed sin. If you do, you're going to say what David said in Psalm 32, verse 3, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. When I've got unconfessed sin in my life, it does weigh me down. But when I confess it, all right, I am no longer guilty. I am declared righteous, okay? We'd be way remiss if we didn't quote 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, okay, and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Uh, and so when we confess our sin, God declares us innocent, and we acknowledge that was shameful, but I'm not to feel shame, because shame will drive me from the Father, not to the one who defines me uh, as forgiven in Jesus Christ. Awesome. Good stuff. Hey, listen, you may be out like me out there, and this yeah. may be an episode that you need to keep on repeat. Yeah. This isn't a one-time thing where you go, man, I just forget it. But these are truths that you need to continue to come back to, remind yourself of what's true, and um, I hope this is useful to you. Yeah, in the show notes, let's just put a bunch of verses that are down there about your identity in Christ. Yep. Okay? And then also, the Scripture says, confess your sins to God that you might be forgiven, all right? And it says... In James 5.16, I think, it says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Because, Rick, it is important that you tell another believer and other believers, hey, this is part of what's gone to my life. So they can encourage you and go, we accept you. We too were marred by sin, but we have been forgiven. Yep. So confess your sins to God that you might be forgiven and your sins to other believers that you might be healed and experience the connection, community, and grace that God intends. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week on another episode of Real Truth Real Quick.